Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Speaking Out for the Blind is thrilled to welcome Father Robert Spitzer to today's show. That Father Spitzer is a Jesuit priest, author, and former Gonzaga University president. He also hosts a show on the Eternal World Television Network, or EWTN, called Father Spitzer's Universe. On his EWTN show, Father Spitzer answers viewer questions on various subjects, including the existence of God, virtue, suffering, faith, and reason. And he's the founder and president of both the Spitzer and Magis Centers, which are organizations that are major national religious institutes. But what you may not know about Father Spitzer is that he's blind. Father Spitzer joins us to talk about how he does his job as a blind priest and how he's achieved national recognition. Welcome to the show, Father Spitzer. It's great to be with you, Brian. It's great to have you here, too. Let's get to know you first. SeattlePI.com says that you're legally blind. How did you become blind? When I was about 31 years old, I was uh, studying in Rome, Italy. Strange form of retinitis pigmentosa kind of started taking hold of me. I didn't quite know what was happening to me at the time, but I suddenly couldn't read the pointing on the Hebrew and a variety of other things. So I went to an eye doctor and... Uh, I said, I think I need a bifocal. <clears throat> and he looked in my eyes and he said, Oh, questo non è un problema della bifocale, è un problema della retina, you know, and it's a problem of the retina. And I said, Whoa, you know, so I, I flew back to the United States right away and I got a diagnosis that it was uh, very likely RP and that eventually I, I would go blind. And I decided I'm just going to keep up my scholarly work, though, in Rome, which I did. I returned to, to Rome and uh, just uh, armed with some vitamin A is basically all they could do at the time to try and, you know, hold it off a little bit. Well, today I'm, I'm nearly uh, completely blind. But uh, nevertheless, it's, um, it's wonderful. I still can do my work, still publishing about two books per year and uh, running these two organizations. You know, there's just ways around everything. And uh, so long as you kind of let that your creativity move and you have that resilience and that fortitude, it's amazing how much uh, we can do. Resilience and fortitude, despite having retinitis pigmentosa, has helped you advance your career as a priest. Now, the Magic Center of Reason and Faith says that you were born in Honolulu, Hawaii in 1952. You have an unbelievable number of degrees. I'm going to read them all off. You graduated from Punahou High School with recognition by the National Honor Society in 1970. You got your Bachelor's of Business Administration in 1974, graduating magna cum laude with a focus in public accounting and finance from Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, where you were president. We're going to get to that soon. You continued with a master's in philosophy, graduating magna cum laude from St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri in 1978, 
followed with another Master of Divinity in Theology, graduating summa cum laude from uh, Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome in 1983, and the Master of Theology in Theology Scripture, graduating summa cum laude from Cambridge School of Weston in Massachusetts in 1984. And finally, you got your doctorate in philosophy, graduating summa cum laude from Catholic University of America in 1988. I believe that's 14 years of college education. Yeah, what was your yeah. motivation? To, and, and how did you speak out to achieve all these big educational goals? Originally, uh, obviously, I was going to go on uh, um, to uh, business school and law school, but, you know, I, I discovered my religious vocation to become a priest. And so uh, when I joined the priesthood, the business degree has served me very well, um, you know, as a university president and now as the president of two other organizations. I don't regret ever getting it, but I sort of had to reorient my education uh, when I joined the seminary. So uh, needed a, um, a master's degree in, in philosophy. Oh, I didn't need one, but I wanted one. This is the way to bring faith and reason together. And so uh, I wrote at that time on the uh, proofs for the existence of God. And later, uh, when I did my uh, two theology degrees, I emphasized scripture, sacred scripture. Then finally, um, uh, when I went on for my doctorate, I again uh, looked into the faith and reason area and wrote a, a doctorate in philosophy of science, really um, basically time theory and, and the general theory of relativity and on, in ontology. I did want specializations that, that would touch profoundly upon philosophy and science and theology, all three disciplines. That's where the nexus of faith and reason occur. Let's talk about how you became a Catholic priest, though. The Magis Center said that you entered the Jesuits' priesthood in 1974, and you were ordained a priest in 1983, and you took your final vows in 1982. Tell us more about the process to becoming a priest and how you spoke out to get this job. Uh, well, uh, essentially, um, there is a, a two-year process called novitiate. So in 1974, when I joined the Jesuits, I spent two years really uh, testing out various apostolates. I taught in a high school for a semester. I worked in a parish for a, a few months. And also during that time, there really is a training on how to pray. Uh, there's what's called the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. So during that two-year time, we call that novitiate. For me, it was a profound experience and to St. Louis University to get a, a master's degree. And uh, as I said, I I wrote on the metaphysical proof for God's existence in the De Ente et Essentia of St. Thomas Aquinas. Then um, went to taught philosophy at Seattle University for two years. Then went to the Gregorian University in Rome. Now that's normal theology, right? So everybody who's going to become a priest has to do three years of theology. And then uh, during that time, I studied again, specialized in scripture. And this time it was uh, New Testament Christological hymns. And then uh, finally, um, I went on for a fourth year 
of theology to do a master's in sacred scripture, which is a, a technical degree at the Weston School in Cambridge, basically the depth grammar of Pneuma and, and Christo in 1 Corinthians 12. According to the Spitzer Center in Gonzaga University, speaking of teaching, you were the president of the four-year private institution from 1998 to 2009. How did you speak out and get this very important job and conquer the challenges of blindness to take on this high responsibility role? I was being hired in 1998. The blindness was really starting to set in. I didn't have the same autonomy that I had previously, but I had started several different organizations, even with you know, these developments in my life, you know, these uh, restrictions. People had noticed, oh, you, you started this, you know, Institute of Professional Ethics in Seattle, and you started this other organization, you know, you okay, you know, clearly you have some potential, you know, and so forth. So um, uh, they asked me to look through the financial statements of Gonzaga, and I obviously know financial statement analysis. So I prepared a 30-page brief for the hiring committee to what I would do to help uh, with Gonzaga and handed that out to the hiring committee. I know at one point, you know, someone said after I had left, it was a long interview. It was like five hours or, or more. Whoa. Uh, yeah, it was a very, very long <laughs> interview. From one thing to the next thing to the next thing. I know uh, when the discussion hit, somebody said, well, you know, that guy's got vision problems. And, um, you know, I don't know if we can, we can hire him. And a good friend of mine, Dave DeWolf said, oh no, he doesn't have vision problems. It's his eyesight that's poor. And right then, everybody kind of got the sense, yeah, you know, um, vision is about what you foresee for the organization. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have clarity of eyesight. Vision means that you have a plan. Vision means that you can bring people together around a consensus for what will be good for the university and so forth. It, it doesn't mean necessarily having clarity of vision. Nice to have, but I certainly didn't have it. And of course, throughout my time at Gonzaga, my my vision became more and more limited uh, because uh, a retinitis pigmentosa is a progressive eye disease. So um, uh, throughout the 11 years, it, it did, you know, depreciate, but um, never really affected uh, my capacity for work. As you know, a university president has to travel quite a bit, and um, you know, you're fundraising, you're alumni, you know, relating your, you know, connecting with various people and opportunities and so forth. But there's always a way of um, having people help you. I mean, the airports are, are just fantastic in the United States. I mean, I, I just simply, I, to this day, I'm still traveling like a madman. I'm, in fact, going to Poland on Thursday, you know, but it's great to have the airports we have. I, I just arrange ahead of time, you know, that I'm going to need some help going from one place to the next. Yes, indeed. We got to get to some of your other experiences here. Sure. Uh, you've had a lot of rewarding experiences as a Catholic priest. You've started a number of major national institutes. One of the major national institutes is the Maja Center 
which is located mm -hmm. in Garden Grove, where you're speaking from right now. It provides right. a rational, comprehensive response to today's secular myths. What are these secular myths in simple terms? The first one that we respond to, probably the most important for young people, is that faith and science are contradictory. And of course, <clears throat> I don't believe that at all. I think, uh, honestly, faith and science are quite corroborating and complementary. That is to say, they support one another. Yes, they have very, very different methodology. Scientific methodology is hypothetical deductive. And in the area of physics and physical chemistry, it's it's quantitative and it's experimental. It's it's looking for adequate descriptions and explanations of the physical universe. And that's <clears throat> one set of rules, one set of methods uh, for getting to what might be called a rigorous knowledge of the natural world, the physical world. A second area that we go into, and this is very germane to being blind, uh, is uh, happiness and suffering. This uh, A lot of people think that suffering is incompatible with an all-loving God. It's a myth uh, to me because, you know, um, yes, I mean, my blindness has caused inconvenience. When I was younger, I wasn't fully aware of how to deal with my blindness and the uncertainty did cause me anxiety. There's, there's no question about that. But nevertheless, you know, once I kind of moved on with life and decided I'm not going to let this inhibit me, right? I just decided to move on. Then all of a sudden that suffering, which is there, it's an inconvenience that people don't have. But I just decided I'm not playing any games. I decided instead I'm going to look at, well, what are the advantages of having this limitation to my eyesight? What does it call me to? Well, it calls me to higher meaning and purpose in life. It calls me out of superficiality. It calls me to greater humility. And greater humility is great for my ability to relate to others, to have compassion for others, and to be a good and loving person. And the third area we talk about is virtue and freedom. You know, a lot of people think that, that somehow if we inculcate virtues in our lives, it's going to inhibit our freedom. But it's really the opposite. You know, as Plato and Aristotle discovered a long time ago, if you have virtues in your life, if you have a discipline in your life toward fortitude, oh my gosh, how fortitude has helped me. Courage, another great virtue. How much that has helped me. You know, and, and certainly the, the same thing with justice or fairness, the same thing with wisdom and prudence. Blindness can really help you to move toward those virtues. And those virtues, in turn, can help you not just to move to happiness, but can help you to really be a servant of other people and to move you to greater faith. Finally, of course, we have a whole area on the reality of Jesus where we're looking at the myth, you know, that the Jesus of the Gospels is not the Jesus of history. And of course, this is one of my academic specialties. So we redress that myth as well. But those are basically the four myths, uh, faith and science dichotomy, uh, suffering and the love of God dichotomy, uh, virtue and freedom dichotomy, and Jesus of the Gospels versus Jesus of history dichotomy. We kind of try to show that those are false dichotomies. Sure, and sure. thanks for the clear explanation. Another one of your major national institutes that you founded is the Spitzer Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's got two separate divisions, one on faith and one on business. 
What services do the centers provide, and how did you speak out to start this special place? Uh, the key uh, point, you know, when I was uh, president of Gonzaga, I was fortunate enough to, you know, be able to, to really test a lot of my leadership theories. And, you know, I had written a book early on called The Spirit of Leadership, you know, about developing vision and developing a constructive culture around a really progressive and and, you know, forward-looking vision for an institution or an organization. In the church, right, in the, and I'm talking right now about the, the Catholic Church in particular, but in all churches, one of the difficulties is that sometimes you don't get leadership education and business education like you would get in a business school or like you would get, for example, in an institute devoted to leadership. And so sometimes priests are studying theology or ministers are studying theology or scripture or pastoral problems and so forth. Yet at the same time, those pastors or those priests, they're expected in some way to run these kind of million-dollar institutions called parishes or churches or even dioceses, you know, where they're, these things are like million-dollar organizations. And, and, and so I just decided, well, I think I have something to contribute in this area of vision, of leadership, developing good, positive, forward-looking organizational culture, positive thinking along the lines of Marty Seligman and so forth. So just decided to start this to help uh, church folks get to that level, but also for business folks too. I mean, this is not just limited to, to church people, though my real passion is to want to help people in the churches kind of catch up a little bit with what's going on in organizational theory, culture theory in the business world. And uh, we have a wonderful organization, Human Synergistics in Michigan, that really helps us out to, uh, to measure these kinds of things and to uh, help both churches and uh, for-profit businesses uh, to advance in the areas of, of ethics, of culture, uh, leadership, and, and vision. We want to know more about how you deliver your messages. You're hosting Father Spitzer's Universe on EWTN. <laughs> you're, you're not the only host of this show. You got another guy to help start you off. But right. how do you, as a blind TV host, find comfort in this video viewing venue and you answer the viewers questions on several subjects including virtue reason suffering faith in the existence of god is this the same kind of things you just talked about or is it a little bit different for television yeah well for television of course you obviously can't use a, a teleprompter or a monitor can't read it but that means that i have to sort of rely as it were on my memory and my wits and again, that turns out to be a real advantage because I know the other fellow, Doug Keck, he reads the, the questions are constantly coming in on either Facebook or Twitter or email. Basically, he reads those to me. And then what I do is I, I answer them from memory. And every once in a while, you know, the, it'll stump me. But generally, the questions come in a form where I can... You know, if it's a science question, it has to do with the early universe or it has to do with the connection between physics and metaphysics or, you know, time theory or black holes or something. I mean, I can do that without, you know, uh, twitching, basically. That's stuff that's in my head. To make a long story short, I do get a lot of advantages with uh, being blind. Every once in a while, you know, I'll move my head in the wrong direction. So I'm not looking at the camera right. 
But there's all kinds of ways. We have little signals, you know, so they tap me on my right foot, which means move my head a little to the right or tap me on the left foot, etc. If I'm looking up too much over the camera a little bit, then they have a way of tapping me on the knee and I move my head down and so forth. So those kinds of things would be easily resolved challenges uh, every once in a while. some We get a whole lot of feedback on the show. Every once in a while, somebody will call up and go, you know, you're not looking into the screen directly. <laughs> I go, know that feeling. <laughs> exactly, I'll bet you do. <laughs> anyway. Well, this, is, yeah, this is all amazing work you've done. How can our listeners watch your show on EWTN and contact you or learn more about you if they have any questions? First thing is I have an email. And it's Spitzer, S-P-I-T-Z-E-R, at Magis Center, M-A-G-I-S Center, all one word, dot com. So that's Spitzer at MagisCenter.com. We'll get back to you uh, with answers to questions. Uh, the EWTN show is called Father Spitzer's Universe. It airs live on Wednesdays from 11 to 12 p.m. Pacific time, and then you just advance it out, you know, uh, three hours to Eastern and so forth, and two hours to Central. And then it replays on Thursday um, evening, um, and it again replays in the real early morning on Saturdays. And if you're a radio listener, it replays at noon Eastern time on the radio, uh, which is uh, generally Catholic radio or EWTN radio, uh, which is pretty much around the 50 states. And EWTN is a channel. You'd have to look in your directory because it's, it's a cable channel. It's different for the different cable services. But just look for EWTN on your uh, cable services there, and they'll give you the channel number, and we'll uh, see you on Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday on that. But you're always welcome. Oh, and if you want to order a book or something, just go to the website, magiscenter.com. So it's like my email, except take off the Spitzer, and you're left over with magiscenter.com. That's our website. You know, lots of free articles, lots of free videos on uh, faith and science, happiness and suffering, etc. Okay, we will put all these links up on the Speaking Out for the Blind website. Speaking out for the blind .com, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. It'd be great. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, but thank you for your good work, Brian. This is just terrific. It's been a real honor to be with you. As I say, I might reappear. You never know. <laughs> hey, we'd love to have you back on again sometime. And you do good work too, Father Spitzer. You're the true inspiration to our listeners who want to work for a college, study religion and just live positive lives. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. 
My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org and the show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. With the tagline of, you don't need sight, cook dinner tonight, cooking in the dark will leave your mouth watering. Host Dale and Cheryl serve up a plethora of tasty treats and delectable dishes topped off with a healthy garnish of humor on a weekly basis. To view the complete archive of Cooking in the Dark programs, please visit www.cookinginthedark.libsyn.com. We leave you with a montage of prior Cooking in the Dark episodes. Welcome to Cooking in the Dark. This is Cheryl Cummings, and I'm going to introduce to you the man who proves to us every week that you don't need sight to cook dinner tonight, Dale Campbell. Man, Heidi Ho. We're going to have to uh, get something up to keep these rambunctious people out of the kitchen. We're going to start off with the honey chicken wings. Let's turn our attention to this um, delicious 21st century macaroni and cheese salmon croquets i'm also going to tell you how to make either a killer red sauce or a very delicious herb tart join dale campbell and cheryl cummings for cooking in the dark cooking in the dark is heard saturdays on acb radio mainstream at 10 p.m eastern repeating every two hours through sunday the American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB Radio